Okay, it says we're live right now, Tony. Uh, wow. So welcome, everybody. This is the Realities Arts Podcast, and uh, we're your hosts, Nate and Tony. Hello. Uh, Tony looks like a little boy if you're watching this. Uh, he used to have a big, luscious beard, and he shaved it all off. Um, so yeah, man. I'm going to gonna have to be the bearded one today. It's spring, man. Got to get rid of it. <laughs> I suppose. Uh uh, so let's do, I guess, uh, let's see here. I, I'm kind of dumb when it comes to computers. So we're, we're, we're trying to do the, like the, we tell you a little bit about dumb shit and then we bring on the guests. So this is our first attempt at doing that. Yeah. So, uh, let's, let's talk to homework, man. How, how you doing, man? What's new? Pretty good. I'm building a fire pit today. That's I'm cool. That. Yeah. I got into these smokeless fire pits. How does that work? So essentially they're double hulled and you got a like a fist size hole on the bottom of the outer hull. Okay. And then on the inner hull, you got little pin pricks going along the top. The idea is that the air comes in through the bottom hole, heats up along the fire, rises, goes out yeah. the pin pricks, pushes the smoke back in the fire. So we'll see. Interesting, man. That's a lot more thought. And <laughs> me and my son built a fire pit out in the backyard. We dug a fucking hole, put gravel in the bottom, put rocks around the edge, and we just throw logs in there. That works too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's beautiful too. Well, uh, let's talk a little shop. So we still have a few books, and we still have a few albums that from our buddy Elemental that comes with an NFT. Uh, an official NFT from Elemental. So if you guys go and give us a five-star rating and a nice little review, take a screenshot and send it to us. I gave you guys the wrong email address last time because I'm dumb. So like at all of our handles is Realities Ours Pod. So I thought that that was my email address and it's not. It's just realitiesars at gmail.com. So if you tried to send us an email and it didn't work, that's why. Because I'm stupid. So send us a screenshot at RealitiesArsPod. Or just send us an email, man. If you guys want to like, dude, we'll read your email. Even if you're mean to us, you know, <laughs> that'll be fun. <laughs> if you want to if you want to collab, if you have questions, comments, and just want to hang out, uh, send us an email. And uh, is there anything else going on, man? Uh, not too much. Did we cut that um, NFT that? was from elemental right or did you mm -hmm. do it okay yeah dude his his album's super cool like uh he spent a lot of time to make it look cool so it has his first and second album on it and it looks like a cassette tape but then you open it up and you flip it out and it's a usb drive and you like stick it in your computer and then that's how you can get so it has both albums on it it has like some cool ass uh cover like some art and shit and then you get an nft awesome i dude, like that I like the idea of like selling USBs with information on them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's super cool. And it looks exactly like a, a cassette tape. So it's like kind of retro and cool looking. Like he spent some time to make them look awesome. And uh, I have one too, and I have not listened to it yet. And I need to. I, I don't have time, man. I've got books to do. I got so many dumb things that I'm trying to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Life. It's Yeah. I mean, I sound like I'm making excuses, and I am making excuses. But, like, legit, I've got a uh, – he's, he's going to be six months in, like, a week, man. And then I work, like, 50 hours, 60 hours a week. 
and then we try to do this too. So yeah, and so you don't have time to make NFTs on the side. I want to make NFTs, dude. I don't think I can do it with my phone. That's so I'm gonna to have to figure out how to do it on the computer. Cause like, dude, I make artwork all the time. Artwork. I make memes all the time. And I figured that I could try to like start turning my uh, memes into NFTs. Why the hell not? Because some people have. Um, and so like I checked out the Soul C. Yeah. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? And so like I open up a wallet and I've got one of them. It wouldn't let me do whatever kind of fucking one that I wanted because uh, I have an Android and it only works with like Apple or something. I don't know. Right. I don't. You, you're talking to an actual moron, and I'm trying to get into the crypto biz and NFTs. So this is only going to work out great. I think. I think yeah, that's how I, that works. <laughs> I, I, yeah, and I'm kind of in the same situation. I'm lazy about it, but I think just knowing how to do NFTs will have a lot of applications later on beyond art, even. It's going to be great for that, too. but Yeah. Well, I almost think that they're worthless and stupid. But uh, if people <laughs> want to spend money, then I'll take your money. Well, okay. Like, <laughs> if, like you, you sell a car, you have a title that goes with the car. But that could be... Yeah, but NFT. it's not even like that, though. Because, like, once you own that NFT, like, you can't... Like, you don't own it, own it. Like everybody owns like a piece or something. I don't know. There's some weird dumb shit. Cause like you, you don't even have the license to it. You can't like use it for things. Like that's what someone was saying. And I was like, then what the hell is the point? Oh, Anyways, that's... if you know more about NFTs than me, please correct me because again, I'm not the brightest when it comes to this shit. Like I maxed out on like MySpace, and I could make a really cool MySpace back in the day. That was fun, man. When you, did you ever have a MySpace or are you too old, Tony? Um, no, I kind of remember a little bit of MySpace. Well, dude, like what was cool about it is like you could have your own profile and they let you type in your own code to like make it your own and you could do all kinds of crazy shit to it. And I think that's what they didn't like about it. Like the elitists were like, no, this is actually teaching people how to use computers well and shit. Like we're just going to give them formulaic Facebook. No one you know hated, what I mean? Like no one hated each other. Yeah. No, no I mean, yeah. It. No, MySpace was great. I mean, I think it was fun. Does Justin Timberlake still own it? I don't know. They turned it all music and stuff. I mean, I don't yeah. try to look up my old MySpace, please, God. <laughs> it's just me thinking I was super cool and I'd have like big bags of pot and stuff. And I was <laughs> like, I was such a fucking loser. That's uh, like, that was like the fun of MySpace that like no one took it seriously. It wasn't a professional, like, it was just people being themselves in this kind of I think that you could revamp something like a MySpace. Probs. Yeah. I mean, if I think people should bring it back. I mean, it's almost like yeah, I don't know. It's it's almost like it's you know, it's it's unique, man. It's there was nothing really like it, except it was kind of like a, a dead or a live journal back in the day. So you could like type in your dumb crap like that. And then it was sort of like Facebook. But it was different, man. It, MySpace was fucking cool. It felt like a way of just people expressing themselves. So, like, if you were into someone and you just, like, check out their MySpace profile, you'd be like, oh, I like, like, you know, like, I want to pursue this further or maybe I don't. Like, it's a, maybe a little stalkerish, but. um, Yeah, but whatever you put out there is what you put out there. Like, what you were cool with putting out there. Okay, Monica's here. Let's see here. And Brad is not here yet. We will throw them in. Um, maybe I should shoot them a text. Let's see. Or send them a... All right. Anyways. 
Because they don't know that – should we just – okay, let's end the broadcast and then add them in and we'll do this. Okay. So anyways, guys, shoot us emails. Uh, we love you. Thank you so much to the listeners that come and, like, listen to us and hang out with us. A uh, couple dummies, but we appreciate you. We love you. Uh, we'll be right back with Monica and Brad. All right. All right. So do I zoom out? Do I? Uh-uh. Okay. Don't do anything. It's an evil club, and you ain't in it. Full of psychopaths who believe in eugenics. It's an evil club, and you ain't in it. Full of psychopaths who believe in eugenics. It's an evil club, and you ain't in it. Okay, and we're live. Uh, welcome, everybody. This is the Reality Czars Podcast, and we're your hosts, Nate and Tony. Hello. Uh, and we got awesome guests on. Return guests, we have Monica Perez and the great Brad Binkley. Thank hey, guys. you guys for yeah. Thank you guys for being here. Thanks for having um, us. Uh, I don't have a lot of things planned because I normally just let my ADHD just run its course. <laughs> and uh, I had some notes, but, you know, it's whatever. I just saw something in the news because we were just talking backstage. Uh, it looks like uh, they're going to they're trying to arrest Alex Jones for not showing up to court twice in the Sandy Hook thing. I That's heard kinda... that. <laughs> I heard that. He said that he had vertigo from a sinus infection. Mm. Yeah, that's a real thing. I don't know if it's his real thing, yeah. but I always thought that him getting thrown off of YouTube or whatever was probably better for his bottom line. And I, you know, I just feel like then everybody has to go through him and he doesn't need to feel obliged to share it on platforms that make more money out of it than he does. For but sure. Going to jail would suck. It also made him a household name. Like yes. people on the fringe knew who he was and he was notorious. And I love Alex Jones, but he uh, definitely became a household name. For well, sure. Hillary Clinton said his name in one of her speeches when she was running for president. Yeah. About the basket of deplorables. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. She cited him by name. Yeah. That always works against them. Unless that was the point. You remember she brought up the alt-right. Yeah. She brought up. Like, the, yeah. I feel like yeah. that was the point. That's the thing. Like, I feel like they, I really can't help but feel they want this polarization and they're really trying to craft what the evil side looks like, the fascist, white nationalist, neo-Nazi, like they want. That's why I think they they drive the identity stuff so hard to the point where it's ridiculous. Like the the swimmer who's so much bigger than the women and breaks records and stuff, like that's just, that's something that's going to piss people off who aren't fully indoctrinated in the message and they really push it so far but not because they want everyone to get on board it's that they want to drive people who really aren't triggered by that stuff to the other side and then yeah. they and then you have to i mean i always say this about trump like he brought identity politics to the right and now so like if you do think if you have a crazy border situation or you're bringing in refugees from everywhere people might start saying who wouldn't otherwise care this this immigration situation is actually out of hand. And then what? Are you a nationalist? Well, if you're a nationalist, yeah. then you're a white nationalist, right? So because they already did all that. And I feel like that's what they're doing. They, they, they want to define that side by the craziest people they can find. And they want to drive as many people over the line as they can. People who aren't crazy. Yeah. I mean, I'd say that Leah Thomas has legs that go all day. <laughs> 
I mean, Brad, I thought, so exactly what you were saying um, about how they're trying to do, like make this giant wedge between the two groups. Like they, they're trying to make you, they're trying to force you into one or two boxes. And Brad, you brought up uh, the other day um, an article that was talking about if you're jabbed or if you're not jabbed, your opinions on Russia. Oh, that, I think that, the Russia that story. The oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, yeah. That was, was super fascinating. There was a yeah. poll out of Canada that the unvaccinated people, so the vaccinated people, people who were triple jabbed, so they really just went for the for the pure the purists, people who were triple jabbed, were eighty eight percent of them hate Russia. They want they don't care if they have to suffer at home. They want sanctions. They want um, punishments, whatever. And of the unvaccinated people, which I assumed was zero jabs, but that was not clear in the article of the unvaccinated people. A third of the people were for Russia. A third of the people were for Ukraine. And a third of the people said they didn't know enough about it. So like there was no correlation among unvaccinated no. people. And the whole yeah. thing fell out from there. They should always have a question. And of course, they, they're trying to get a specific result with those surveys. <laughs> but the, there should always be the choice of it's a little more complicated than that as, as an answer. Yeah. Yeah. And yes. And then they also what was funny was that they were like they always do try to write the questions the way they want the answers to come out. And they had already kind of decided how to spin it. But it really so how they spun it was this just proves that unvaccinated people uh, are totally brainwashed by all the misinformation that they have. And I'm like, well, that doesn't really make sense because the unvaccinated people had a plethora of opinions on every single topic, whereas the vaccinated people were all in lockstep. I mean, it made no sense. And they just said, well, this is why we have extremism and polarization is because these people are so stupid. They can't read. Yeah. They don't yeah. know what news is right and wrong. So they, yeah. it didn't come out the way they had hoped. But They're they so still stupid because like they don't shut up and comply is basically. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it was wild. It was like it, they created... Yeah, they didn't even realize it. It was a monolith. Like it was a, it was so outrageous to me. It was so funny. What that that <laughs> yeah they... that all the vax people yes. agreed and they thought that that was a good thing. That it's and like... they and they <laughs> acted like that. That just shows to go you that the unvaccinated people are stupid and brainwashed. And well, I mean, it right is answer. weird. Say it again. It's the right answer. Right? Yes, like, exactly. What, what That's the you... funny thing. It's like, how do you not know everyone? It's obvious that it's the right answer. So yeah. like, well, can you explain it to me? <laughs> it's not a survey. It's a test is what it is. Like, uh, you either get it right or you get it wrong. Good point. Yeah. 100%. So, but I do, what I don't know about is the, it is weird to me that anyone can even know the truth about Ukraine because I, mean, I, I was looking at it back I've covered it when it was a coup, when we did a coup in 2014. And that that story isn't told a lot. And then now that we have the Russian invasion, which seems disconnected in time from that other incident that is not fresh in anyone's memory, I'm surprised anyone even questions the narrative that's being that's coming down. Yet everybody I talk to in our world know that, I mean... I don't know if they think Russia's a hero. I'm not saying that, but they know that it is complicated and that, you know, there's a valid reason for it. It's not just Putin's megalomania or lockdown psychosis. Yeah, for How sure. How are people knowing that? I mean, in your experience, do most people know that Ukraine, the, you know, what, what do you guys think most people, you know, think about the war in Ukraine? 
Well, most people I know are normie idiots and just right. listen to them. <laughs> but uh, people in my sphere, uh, I mean, like I, I hang out with some smart, cool people. Like uh, most of them know about like what happened in 2014 and like the, you know, whatever happened. And like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, um, I mean, we it's so hard to know. And I think that that's what's good is that we don't necessarily think we know what's going on we just know that whatever is on cnn and fox news is <laughs> fucking bullshit it's, it's like there should be when you have a venn diagram of everything on fox and everything on cnn anytime that overlaps you should mm -hmm. just black it out <laughs> exactly exactly i mean we had scott horton on the show i think it was three oh, cool. days before the, the invasion happened and scott was like they're definitely not invading. It's not going to happen. I, I was <laughs> like, really yeah, surprised. I, so I mean, wow, I feel so vindicated that if Scott Horton didn't see it coming, because I was yeah, like, they're leaving on Tuesday. I mean, yeah. <laughs> everybody knows that. And then they, and then they, I just was like, wow, wow, that was a that was a shocker. For sure, I didn't see it coming. No, me neither. I, so, I think this invasion is. We talked about this on the show a little bit, but I think it's been part of the Great Reset. All along, it, it just everything that is happening here is serving the Great Reset agenda, specifically with the way all these corporations are very publicly making it known that they are not going to be doing business with Russia anymore. We're pulling out of mm -hmm. Russia. We're having economic warfare via through the corporations, which is the World Economic Forum model where they measure it through what's called ESG standards, environmental social governance standards. And we saw this through with the lockdown a little bit as well with companies not uh, – not working with people who aren't vaccinated or won't, they won't hire people mm -hmm. who aren't vaccinated, stuff like that. It, to me, this stuff is just serving the Great Reset agenda. And when you look at China, which that Great Reset agenda is kind of modeled after, appear, appearing to be on the opposite side of the, the Russian conflict. I, I don't think they are. I think they're the one who's winning the war. I love you, Brad. Yes, that's 100% what's going on. Uh, I mean, my opinion. Uh, yeah, I mean, I see all these like normies that are celebrating like, what was it like MasterCard, Visa, like all these giant like PayPal, Google Pay, all these people stop, stop doing business with yeah. Russia. And I was like, that's the same thing that like Trudeau was doing to the truckers and stuff or people yeah. that even gave five bucks to the GoFundMe or whatever. And I'm like, you don't see how this is going to 100% be used against us. Like, how are you? <laughs> yes, yeah, a good point. I hadn't even thought about the trucker thing. So this is like the th at least the third like worldwide demonstration of the corporations taking the lead in, in yep. world policy. 100%. And just unpersoning you like that. Just yeah. you can't do business anymore. You're done. Because yeah. you fell afoul of the orthodoxy. All right. And the revolutionary progressives here are all standing with the, the oppressed corporations. <laughs> I think it might be time to go back and watch the old Black Mirrors. Yeah, dude, those are dark. And like, yeah, I remember watching those. And man, yeah, they social credit score. There was one on social credit score. That mm -hmm. Yeah, it was like the one of the first episodes. Yeah, I think about that one a lot too. They're good. I, didn't they like stop making them because they said they couldn't keep up? Like they said, <laughs> oh my god, like they were already obsolete by the yeah, time it was, it was no more longer futuristic by the time it got <laughs> released. Well, it, were they different information, or were they just based? Or is this stuff just really obvious if you stop and think about it with a sci-fi kind of filter on your brain? I think that they're carving pathways in your brain so that when the real thing happens, you're not shocked. Yeah, revolution, revelation of the method for sure. Yeah. I think, well, yeah, that, that's. Predictive programming, and mm -hmm. I'm not. I'm not sure. I think the revelation of the method thing is more about 
a morality, which I'm not sure they have. The revelation of the method being that when they have to tell you because that, Mm -hmm. if you ignore it, that's your consent. I think that that is, I think they think that, I think they do believe that, but I don't feel like they have some moral compunction to actually, uh, compulsion to write, to actually spell it out for you. I think that they feel like you should have to just figure it out. And if you don't, it's your own fault. But I think that the predictive programming is there in order to get you to accept it as if it's a memory of something that's within the realm of normalcy. And, you know, I just, I feel like it's a deeply psychological thing and they've got their arms around that. It's like culture helping to set the, uh, is it called the Overton window? Is that what? Yes. Yes. And there might be one more element to it um, where a friend of mine told me this and it was so mind expanding that if they don't care about us. We're cattle to them. They care about each other. They, they are, they, they do. I mean, there probably, there can't be a person up there who doesn't think about, um, you know, pride that doesn't have pride or ego. And that in order for them to flex their muscles, they, uh, or in order for them to get respect of those people, they have to, say what they're going to do and prove that they're capable of doing it. It's just a demonstration of power. So if the event 201 people, whoever thought that up, World Economic Forum, Johns Hopkins, Bill and Melinda Gates, whoever was the mastermind there, set it up. And most of that is scenario planning. It's to see the reactions and all that. That is true. But I feel like whoever put that, the World Economic Forum, and I say this all the time, so they get to point to me and everyone like me and say, uh, wow, look at the power they have. Look at that power. I saw yeah. it. It was event 201. It was in October 2019. They said they were going to do it and they did every single thing. Wow, that Klaus Schwab is really the most powerful person in the world. I don't think he is. I don't think he's the mastermind, but that, yeah. you know, that is a part, I think, of the of the a part. I think mostly I think it goes first is the carving the pathways. And second, it's the um impression of power, which works both ways. It's to their peers and to us. Yeah, so that's 100%. why just even telling the truth can be a little bit of a black pill. Well, a little right. bit. It's a lot black pill, but it's, but you know, it works into their hands, but it is true. It's like the art of war. When you are smaller, you, you make yourself appear to be bigger. When you're bigger, mm-hmm. you make yourself appear to be smaller. And I, speaking about the uh, television stuff, I think it's hilarious that the show Utopia, which was about, I'm, it, this was the American version of the show Utopia. There was a, a British version done, but that the John Cusack show where he played this, like billionaire vaccine guy who tries to make the world infertile with a um, with a vaccine. And Bill Gates. He basically plays <laughs> Bill Gates, and the, it wrapped production two days before <laughs> event two hundred one started. Maybe it's a coincidence, yeah. but I just find yeah. it hilarious that this is just so insane. They didn't do a season two because I, it was so scary yeah. about the I virus would- and the vaccine. There were those guys who did the global business network that one of those guys was responsible for the 2017 spars document on the Johns Hopkins website. And he and his organization, global business network did the scenario planning for 2010, uh, that Rockefeller foundation document on, um, the future of technology, something like that. I wonder if that guy or any of those people who were involved in those two things had anything to do with utopia. If you could, hey, I bet yeah. you could find just one connection. It's whether a good it's question. Check IMBD cross-reference, see if there's any yeah. writer. I don't, or, uh, I don't think you could do that. 
but I think you could look at the funding and then go to see if those people. So you yeah. find the person who funded it, say it's, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if it was that former treasury secretary, Steve Mnuchin. He used to do stuff like that. He did central intelligence with uh, Kevin Hart and yeah. the rock. If he were someone who maybe bankrolled that you could easily find his connection to world economic forum or, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised. And then you'd know for sure who was doing it. And then you'd know. Yeah. More uh, that's a good why. point. They do bring script writers <laughs> in on a lot of these, these, pro I mean, we see like the, the crew of the, that show that Zelensky is in is like government. Now they just went from like the, the yes. Where did you government. read that? Someone sent me a I, link. I can't, to I can't remember where it that, was, but, but yeah. The servants of the people became, was the TV show like the apprentice. He was played the president. And then they got him elected, which people say it was not a legit election. They established a political party called Servant of the People <laughs> after the two, like the Brady Bunch party. And then they got all those people. They they dissolved the legislative body. And yeah, it's no, outrageous. And then they put in it was like two thirds after that Servant of the People. And then when someone in Ukraine says that we don't think that was legit, we're they're shouted down because you don't understand we're democracy. We get to, if we, if America puts a dictator in place, that's democracy. Right, yeah. <laughs> We're just calling that democracy now. And you have that world economic forum article that we talked about, which we knew they were doing this, but there was this world economic forum article a couple of weeks ago that we covered on the show where they were putting out a call to bring actors and cultural influencers specifically actors they were referring to that had a big following to bring them into the policy making and creation to make them integral parts standing next to world leaders at the world economic forum conferences at davos at major international global uh, meetings that they have and then we see this Zelensky thing where they literally have the entire crew, actors, and everything as part of the government making the, well, at least appearing to make these decisions. Anyway. Well, and Biden's doing that with TikTokers right now. Yeah. He's using <laughs> TikTokers to like promote oh. his propaganda. So it's like this tried and true formula that they yeah. all use. Yeah, that's true. And somebody sent me a, a link this morning. I haven't had a chance to look at it yet, but it was, I believe it was on Time Magazine. Or maybe it was just, yeah, it was that the government spent a billion dollars uh, for propaganda to promote the vaccines. Um, they yeah. gave the news media. The UK had an article like that, too. Was that about the U.S., the one you saw? It says U.S. government paid news media $1 billion for propaganda wow. to promote the mRNA vaccines, which is crazy. So you have this private entity. This is fascism. You have this private entity that makes a product. The government buys the product forces you to take it so that there's continued uses demand. your money to buy Use, the product uses your money to buy the product forces you to take it and then also uses the government's money to promote the product you know i mean it's just it's yeah. it, it's uh i mean i don't even know if there's a word for it but fascism fascism <laughs> that, yeah that's yeah. the word yeah yeah I heard about a program the other day. I was I was listening to Joe Rogan and he had some doctor on that was Provax and I can't remember the name of the old man. Um, but he was trying to talk about this program that they were doing and he was trying to make it sound good. And I was like, Jesus, uh, they were like going into the hood and they were like going into like, you know, black neighborhoods and stuff. And they were like training um, the barber on what to say to people wow. to make them because <laughs> yeah. he's like he goes, wow. he goes I, they don't trust us regular. but they trust their barber and yeah. we, we <laughs> covered some of that in, in, in uh, so that's that, yeah I mean, yeah but that 
I mean, they, that's really that's like telling waitresses about, and stuff. Yeah, they talked about getting down in those some of those clips we played. I think they might have even said barber. I think one of the people yeah. actually wow. said you need oh, to get in the barber shops I, and, wow. you, and you need to get talking about specific communities. You need to talk to their uh, the religious leaders. You need to talk to their their teachers, the people that are most beloved in their community. You need to get in there. You need to get in grandma's ear so that grandma is delivering the propaganda to those who never question grandma, but they question yeah. the government. Yeah. Wow. How do you get in grandma's ear? What do you do to her? I mean, that's gotta... oh, <laughs> most of the grandmas are falling for it. Yeah. I mean, some of them, they are not seeing their own grandchildren. They're pressuring the kids to do that. Absolutely. Oh, yes. So terrible. Yes. Because yes. they have the propaganda from like getting the polio shot when they were kids. And oh stuff my gosh, like that. that's what my mother said. Yeah. She said that polio. I was like, are you crazy? Now she, she knows people who are vaccinated and she's not stupid enough to like deny that so she's off it somebody slipped her one and she's like not taking anymore because since then all of the injuries started happening and uh which she was smart enough to observe but she was by and i was just like the polio shot dig it you know know your facts mom <laughs> she, well the idea that they're calling it a vaccine like right there like right. that's, a that's propaganda it. yeah <laughs> it's not a vaccine in any conventional sense and not only technology wise, but it doesn't prevent anything. No, it doesn't no. prevent the spread of it, which is what the whole herd immunity idea is. Otherwise, if it it doesn't prevent the spread, it, no science ever said it did. They kind of admit that when they have to, yet they still use that argument to tell us that we have to get it for the good of the community. But if it doesn't, yeah. but if it only keeps you from going to the hospital, it's your choice, right? And then right. you know. They blew up the numbers in the polio uh, as well. I, I can't remember the exact numbers, but it, I, I believe it's from the CDC, this this uh, story that I found. And it, it was from years and year, decades ago. And it was years after polio, but it was a while ago. But they were talking about how the numbers were greatly exaggerated when they went back and looked at polio. And it was part of a communication campaign to get people just to shut up and take that vaccine as well. well you ever, look, yeah, go ahead. Well, you ever heard of Sister Kenny? Mm. She was Who? a nurse. Um, Sister Kenny, she was um, she wasn't a nun or anything, but she was a nurse, and I guess that's what they call them, right? Right, Australian. yeah. And she would go to polio patients and give them PT. She would move their limbs around while they had polio, and those people could walk afterwards. It was the braces that paralyzed people. No way. Yeah, look up because they atrophy the muscles, of course. Yeah, because your muscles don't move, and polio goes through the nervous system. It has a life cycle, and when it goes through, you're fine if your limbs have been moving. So, so it's like AZT or ventilators or remdesivir. Like it actually, that's called. Uh, yeah, yeah, the illness. polio braces is what paralyzed people. Wow, that is amazing to me. Because and, where, yeah, where else would someone just put your legs in a brace for no? Like, why would you do that? Like, if, yeah. if you break your arm, that's one thing. But like, you want to set it, but just like, don't like nothing's broke. And even little things like that, I even noticed sometimes my wrist hurts. I just tried wearing a brace, and then like my elbow started hurting because it just that's just not a natural yeah. thing. You can't do that. But if you look at some of the old charts of these diseases that have had supposed vaccination success, everyone I've ever seen now, obviously, I, or I should say, I haven't made a real study of it, but I've seen a few and it's all like the, the trajectory of the disease was already going straight down mm -hmm. and the, the vaccination campaign happened somewhere along that slope, but didn't really change the angle of the slope. It didn't make yeah. it go like that. You know, it, it just it was just going down. And 
because they probably figure stuff like that out and they're like, yeah, don't do braces anymore. Don't give people AZT like the AIDS thing. You'll, you'll probably, I haven't seen the chart, but I just know from firsthand experience, the AIDS thing probably has like a, you know, tons of AIDS. And then the inflection point isn't when they introduced AZT. It's when they discontinued it. Yeah. It's like, maybe we shouldn't <laughs> ventilate people immediately. Maybe we should stop doing right. that. And now they'll give you remdesivir so that you're convinced to get on the ventilator because you crash. Have you ever heard people say this? You When you have COVID and you go to the hospital, you crash immediately. That's what the doctors say. It's like, but that makes no sense. Why? And I believe it's because I personally believe it's because they're giving them remdesivir. Can you refuse the remdesivir or do they oh, force you, can you to try. take it? I know someone who tried to refuse, but once he was alone in the room with them, and there was nobody there, you know, no, none of his family was there to advocate for him. They pressured him so hard that he did take it. And then at, with no positive COVID test or anything. And then after a few days, he was like, I just want off of this. And they yeah. took him off and then he started getting better. And it was, I think five, that it, it was, it was more than $5,000 a day. Was that another thing where they would get money for using that type of treatment over another? Maybe it was $5,000 a day. And I assume everybody gets a piece of that. Yeah. You're paying five thousand dollars a day for your kidneys to fail. Like, <laughs> yes. good lord. I mean, and then they get to treat you for kidney failure. Win yeah. win. <laughs> Hospitals are terrifying. I know. Now I'm afraid of them, and they're ridiculously expensive. Like it's crazy how much they charge you for visit to the ER. Yeah, crazy. Mm -hmm. We ended up having our baby in the hospital just because we were nervous, but yeah, I don't and it me. turned out okay. <laughs> we I, wanted I to do the, the home birth and when I yeah. had the baby, I, when yeah. I had my first baby, had Down syndrome and uh, it, it was hairy. Yeah, hairy, but the situation. Was <laughs> Did you guys assign the baby a gender yet? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I tried the hardest to. Uh, they were trying to get me to vaccinate. They were trying to do the vitamin K. They were trying to do all those things that I just kept saying no. They take and his uh, genetics for phenylketonuria. I'm, they probably stuck a needle in his foot and gave definitely you a did. They yeah. definitely did. Yeah, they blood. kept poking him a bunch, actually. Oh, yeah, which is unfortunate. Cool. But uh, I was trying so hard to, to get out of giving him a social security number. That was like. Yes. <laughs> and you didn't succeed? I did not succeed. No, the lady was acting weird. She was just like, she, they just kept coming back in the room. Are you sure? Why won't you get him a social yeah. security number? Uh, and just She doesn't have a job. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he can't get a job. You couldn't even, I got one when I was like 12 or 13 opening a bank account. Well, see, I was worried honestly. Cause like we were already not getting the vaccines and they were nervous about it. They made us like sign paperwork. They made us like read they, before they would let us refuse the vaccines. They had us a stack of paperwork and they made us read through it and read why we should. And all the, all this crap. And we're like, okay, yeah, we read it by and signed it. Okay. Yeah. We don't want that. Like I was actually worried that they were going to call like CPS yes, or something yes, like right. that's yeah, what right, I was worried right. about. And I was like, okay, fine. Fucking social security number. Like, yeah. it was right. Weird. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was like, you got, they didn't call you because of the vaccine. And it was like, okay, I'm pushing too far with the social security number. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. yeah. I was nervous. <laughs> right. I bet they, I bet they just look baffled. Oh yeah. yeah they, they thought I was surprised. nuts. <laughs> I bet. Yeah. Well, because first of all, anyone is still working in a hospital They've eliminated the 40% of the people who mm -hmm. could think, right? Yeah. So because you couldn't stay there unless you've been vaccinated. So you either capitulate or right. you believe. 
And anyone who would resist or sympathize has been systematically mm -hmm. excised from the healthcare system. And from the military and from the police. Yeah. And it's it was on purpose. It and, was brilliant. And <laughs> yeah, it's super brilliant because think of all the union all the uh the benefits you don't have to pay people. Like all those things are union jobs where they're probably happy to get rid of 20% of the people or 30% of the people and be able to say that you didn't comply. Yeah. I think that's what they did with the military. I think, I don't know if they changed it at some point, but some, there was some viral TikTok video. So of course it was definitely true where the chick said, we, we aren't dishonorably discharged, but we don't get our benefits. Yeah, I remember after January 6th, they talked about how there was a white supremacy problem in the military and they were going to try to weed them out and they just yep. didn't know how. And now they figured it out. Yeah. yeah, that could be why I've been trying to figure out for the longest time. When you do look at that 2017 spars document on the Johns Hopkins website where they talk about it's basically a script for how this thing was going to play out. And then at each inflection point, they have a like media approach. And I couldn't. And at one point they say, like, we have the Democratic president um, express reservations about a certain therapeutic. And that makes the Republicans want the therapeutic, which to me was the hydroxychloroquine. But I couldn't understand why. So so there's no doubt in my mind they chose which side was going to be pro-vax and anti-vax, right? So they have to like give you labels like you can't be a nationalist without being a white nationalist. So you can't be, um, uh, you know, you can't have an opinion about vaccination without being in, an, an, in a basket. And yeah. why they chose the anti-vax basket to be the right wing thing could go to what what you're saying. Like those were the people they wanted out. Mm -hmm. So if mm -hmm. they had made it Democrats, they would have had to fire Democrats. From those they wanted the skeptical want people out. They wanted the people that would question them. They wanted the oath keepers. They wanted, you know, anybody that, you know, is ever right. questions because government they, authority and things like that. And it was brilliant, But they and, which is have, the right wing. They could have. Trump was president. Trump introduced warp speed. He did the vaccines. They could have had you know, not a Black Lives Matter movement. They could have had an anti-vax movement from the left. They absolutely could have. They used they, to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They used, they to, used like, to. Yeah. Like, that, yeah they used to be the advocates. Yeah. For, yeah. yeah. Yes. The crunchy granolas and stuff. That's why I was so shocked when I read that back a few years ago that California was, I think, the first, the first state that required vaccinations, I think, even for private schools. Like, I think that it was that was the first state that really took it to the next level vaccination wise. And it was Jerry Brown. I remember thinking Jerry Brown, governor moonbeam. That's what they used to call him. Like that would have been a demographic that would have not wanted a vax back in the day. Yeah. What's great about if somebody ever accuses anyone of being a white nationalist now, all they have to say is no, no, that's not true. I'm from Ukraine because obviously there's no Nazis in Ukraine. I love the Azov Battalion. What do you mean? I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> the logo! I mean, they had to they had to structure it that way because they had to get people, the real like fringy people, to do it because they couldn't get the regular Ukrainian troops. They would go they would go to the east, you know, over the in the beginning they would go to the east, and they wouldn't kill other Ukrainians. They would lay down their arms or join the other side. So yeah. that's when they had to create the Azov Battalion in May 2014 for that reason. It's wild.
It yeah, was... all the articles too from like two, three years ago, the same publications that today are are saying it's Russian propaganda to say that there is a, Na oh, yeah. a Nazi problem in Ukraine. If you do a time search on Google, you'll yep. find all those exact same New York Times, CNN, the Atlantic, New York Times, yep. all of them Absolutely. saying Ukraine's Nazi problem. Right. The articles exploring the Nazi problem. So when we get invaded by Russia, <laughs> via Canada, there is a chance. Yeah. <laughs> So you guys think Putin's going to get Gaddafi? You think that's on the table? Like but watching these CFR and all these things, I've watched a lot of these think tanks over the past uh, three weeks or so. Ever since this thing started, because they've been doing a lot of think, a lot of uh, discussions at the various think tanks. And one thing that they all say, like every one of them, probably ten of them, I, I have clips of them uh, just all saying the only way this ends is if Putin is out of power. Now I don't know if they're just saying that for propaganda purposes for their audience, but that is a consistent theme that they're all echoing. So I do, I definitely see this again as trying to put people in one of two boxes. Like you're either like Putin's the good guy or Zelensky's the good guy. It, it's this funny thing, man. But like Putin was a world economic forum. Like he was one of the, he's one of their guys, man. And like, you can still Wait, see that I, he's pushing sure that. I'm, I'm not sure about that because certain. he, I believe that he always plays the game. I think he always has played the game. He didn't like fully out ISIS or didn't out Edward Snowden. He didn't out 9-11. He didn't out the moon landing. I mean, he's always played that game, but I think the, I'm not sure his associations with like Klaus or any of that goes there, beyond there are though i mean there are what? some so back in like 1993 when he was supposedly a cab driver like um i heard this from putin wasn't a cab driver in 93 that's what he said <laughs> he was he was yeltsin yeltsin brought him in he was in the mm -hmm. KGB. it was yeltsin's cab driver was man. it oh um i'm trying to remember but like him in i'm fairly certain okay. him mm. and schwab were homies like schwab actually kind of took him under his wing a little bit i'm trying to remember I would where... have to see some evidence yeah, of yeah. that because yeah. I think he was called a global shaper before that even existed. You know, that kind of thing. Like, I would have to really analyze that. I've heard that, but I never dug into it. Yeah, same so here. I'm not, same here. I'm, I'm going to have to dig that. into it before I just take it. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I, I, I just I don't see Putin as being different. I don't I, I think he's definitely in on it. But I don't know. What do you what do you think this whole thing about like this whole like nationalism versus globalism? Is that another box they're trying to put us in? Like because they try to make Putin look like he cares about his people. He's very nationalistic. He's against this globalist movement. Like what, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think he's do you think he's legit? I don't, I don't know that I believe he's legit. I, I think that, like you said, they're trying to put people in that box. And by painting by painting Putin the way that the the people who everybody that they oppose in the United States specifically and, and even around the world. So if anybody questions a vaccine, if anybody uh, puts a mask on their chin instead of on their on their face or they, they question the mandates or if they question the 2020 election here. So that way, anytime anybody, all of that stuff becomes Russian propaganda, essentially. So anybody who says those things is aligning with Putin. And I think by, by doing that, then they can just give this little default. Oh, well, you must love Putin because you question the mandates and think that the vote count was wrong in 2020. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're also trying to demonize, demonize, demonize. Uh, like, I think, I think some, okay, so I'm an anarchist, but there's something about like, 
I don't know what it is. They're trying to like, cause so many times I'm like anti-America, anti the empire. And then I'm, and then I'm thinking, am I playing into the globalist hand right now by like, uh, by, cause they definitely are trying to like the same people that are like globalists hate the United States because they want this to be like a big one world sort of thing. Like, where is the line? Like, I love my family and I love like my town and I love where I live and my house. And <laughs> I don't know. There's something about like, I want to be a small scale, but I, and I don't want to be part of this giant empire, but I don't know. I have some responses to some of the things that you're saying. If yeah. you're but first let's go back for a second. Do you sure. think they could get to him? Like you're saying, are they going to Qaddafi him? Could they, do you think they could? could? They? Is, could they? Like if you think they could, then let's, address the question but so the only reason why i think maybe they could is they could turn some of those like if they're really hurting some of those yeah it would have to 100 percent be an inside job it would have to be some of those oligarchs if they're really hurting those oligarchs and they convince those oligarchs you're going to be better off if you come in on our side you know if if they could turn some of those oligarchs i think that that's possible but that's, That's what they point. talk about in those those uh, panel discussions, those think tanks. They talk about how it's got to be somebody on the inside or it's got to be uh, a color revolution-like thing they're trying to stir up, and then they they the people overthrow him. But it's when you watch the think tanks, they're, it's almost like they're, they're kind of saying, yeah, maybe some of the insiders will get to him. It's almost <laughs> like they're trying to deliver a message yes. directly to Who them. will rid me of this meddlesome priest? Yeah. Yes. Uh, I, I do think it's far easier. I, I See, of the two, I do think Putin would be easier to get to than Zelensky, who allegedly has survived at least 39 million assassination attempts. Yeah. <laughs> the number increases every day. So He's sitting on a beach right now. He's he's not there. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. He Otherwise, he's trapped somewhere that doesn't yeah. have running water because he can't shave anymore. Like, he used to okay. shave, and now he doesn't shave. What did you think about... But what wait, do you think about when he went to Israel? Do you remember that? I so, do. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to answer your question. No. Um, so when Zelensky went to Israel, Ukraine yeah. is the only place with a prime minister and a president who are Jewish, and mm-hmm. they're and they have a Nazi problem. It's like <laughs> yeah. and their U.S. handler is Jewish. I don't. You know, they, those guys strange bedfellows indeed. Um, so what you're what are you saying about Israel? Oh, I just thought it was fascinating. He got up there and he was trying to, he was trying to like emotionally manipulate Israel into backing them and helping them. And so he was like, look, it's just like the Holocaust. What? Oh what yeah. They got pissed, right? Yeah. They got fucking pissed. Right. Yeah, well, that's what he did with with the United States. Except he just, he just, whatever country he's talking to, he just picks the most obvious disaster, uh, worst times yeah, in history. and says it was like nine 11. It was Pearl like Harbor. Pearl Harbor. It was like Martin Luther King. I have a dream. That, that was the most yeah. baffling. Yeah. That was the so, so does he, uh, really care and what's the national versus global thing. So I think that there are some battles you just can't win. I, you know, he did, he, he did do the vaccine. I kind of expected him to, if he, if he were really outside of this system, he would have not gone along with the vaccine thing and the COVID thing. However, I think the COVID thing, I do think it was bioweapon. So I don't know what he, how he should have dealt with it, but if they were going to spray that stuff on his country, he was going to have to do something. And so I don't know. I don't know anything about the vaccine he's doing. I don't know if it was mandatory and how bad the lockdowns were. I don't think it was as bad as what we had. I know Belarus didn't go along 
obviously they're close allies with the whole lockstep of all that. So I don't, I don't know that that kind of stuff does kind of lend itself to he's more in than out for sure. Mm -hmm. Does he hate his own people? Like every other world leader, I, Seems like he hates them less than most people hate mm -hmm. their own. And I think that's a real throwback to before, like the Zbigniew Brzezinski days where he wrote America and the Technotronic Era, which I think is its 50th anniversary. I have to look into that. Um, uh, so I got to make a note of that. Um, so when you look at it, what Brzezinski said is that you'd have an elite that wouldn't have normal morals and would not be allied with their own people. And I think we have that. I think he may not fit that mold um, and maybe China neither. So I think sometimes of those countries that there is, and it, and it probably revolves around like the military industrial complex type thing, like, or, or to the extent that those are international, which would be finance specifically, they do, they have cooperated. Now it looks like they're not going to cooperate with that anymore. Um, they're being forced out of it. We can get into that. But um, so, so I think, I don't know if, if it's completely orchestrated from the top, but what I absolutely see happening is that we are entering into, a, again, the bipolar world. Again, we're going to a cold mm -hmm. war, but this time it's Russia and China closely aligned. They're basically dividing the whole thing up. I had noticed that we, for since Biden took office, that we were getting set up to take our, so the trilateral commission is three lats. It's Europe, it's Asia, and it's the Americas. And just from Haiti to like, there were a bunch of coup, like Bolivia, was there a coup there? There, that golden triangle, not the golden triangle, but like the, whatever it's called, like the Honduras, El Salvador and Guatemala, like all those things are getting lined up behind us. And I feel like we got that, you know, they sat at the table, we got that, they got what they're getting and not, so not national versus global, but regional, lateral. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's fascinating. And and if they are trying to create this whole Cold War again, I think that there wasn't an enemy big enough for us to believe. Uh, yep. You know, and so I think that's they do point. have to tie yeah, Russia and China together. Then all of a sudden, there is something scary. And now you can you can scare the American people into believing it and justify everything that they're going to try to do. And they benefit yeah. from that, too, which is mm -hmm. why Putin used ISIS to go in and save Syria, which he wanted, not because he wanted to save it from ISIS, but because of the, you know, pipeline stand or whatever, or the oil and gas implications of how these regions, these are really critical places, Syria, Ukraine, in the world energy market and production, transportation, all of that. So he didn't say there's no such thing as ISIS, but we need a gas pipeline through Syria. He said, ISIS, you know, I'm, you, you, mm -hmm. You're right. There's ISIS and we're going in. You know, if there was ISIS in Ukraine, we wouldn't be having this conversation. But I think at the most basic level, and this is very this is broad and generalized, but I think at the most basic level, they want to uh, tear down questioning. They want to tear down critical thought 
anybody who questions authority and they want to build up the collective agreement. Uh, so if you can look at the world in that way, the, the, obviously that's the, uh, the old Socrates versus Aristotle. But what, what America represents anyway, uh, uh, at least in perception, is, is the idea of freedom and entrepreneurship and you question things and, and you can have different points of view. But that is being stripped away. That's, that is actually being demonized uh, when you look at it from a grand scale. It's because all the, all the groups that they're categorizing that I mentioned earlier that we've been talking about, the math, people question mask, whatever. If you don't go along with the narrative, you are – first it was you are QAnon – you're Donald Trump. Now it's you are also Russia and Putin, who happens to be Hitler. So the very nature of questioning and, and personal liberty, you are Hitler. We even uh, had clips of them talking about how people who want to go live a more sustainable life and try and live off the grid. I can't remember exactly how they framed it, but people who grow grow corn, they they are uh, a pathway to white nationalism. When you hear people <laughs> talking about that, they said that in a, a CFR yeah, panel the, discussion. Uh, canning tomatoes, right? Yeah, well, look at the like, way preppers have portrayed, like just modern um any kind of pop culture version of a prepper they got one guy who's crazy a bunker full of canned food instead of just being like hell uh, i'm gonna be prepared if like something goes down and i can't get to a grocery store for a month yeah you can't right. make them sound reasonable at all yeah yeah like, <laughs> like something that anyone could do in a reasonable way and they they set the grocery stores up so you go to the grocery store and you can't find as much stuff right now for whatever reason oh, people want to attribute to that. So the people mm. see that and then that can cause a little bit of panic. They might go to Sam's Club and stock up when they can. Then the reaction to the shelves being a little thin is uh oh white nationalists is stocking up on cans. Yeah, and that is why <laughs> that's why you don't ever want price controls. You want people to bid up the price so that stuff gets back on the shelves. Otherwise you do get hoarding. But there is just so much chatter about food shortages. Like yeah. I I don't yeah. believe that's not true. I think they are ginning that up and then some and they're trying to do it so you don't notice. But the sanctions on Russia are sanctions on us. When you're telling Russia they can't sell mm -hmm. us what we need to grow food, that is our, you know, that's, they are starving us out and they don't want us to notice. And we won't notice. Most people won't notice. Well, they started that with like the COVID-19 crap when they started right. like shutting down, like, well, they started doing all the supply side stuff. It's like, I'm in the food service industry and like, oh, really? I've been a chef for my basically my adult life. Oh, and cool. are you the one with the, did we talk about this rat bone aspect? Are you going to teach me how to make rat bone aspect? No, but I can. <laughs> I definitely can. In the tunnels, I'm not giving up my bone broth and my pate, but we're yeah. going to have to use alternative sourcing. <laughs> I make some killer I bone broth. About, I was thinking like I should start putting egg whites on my top of my bone broth so I can clarify it. Because mm -hmm. that, you gave me that make some consomme, yeah. I've been thinking about it. I usually just let it settle and peel it off, but... Yeah, anyway, got to make the raft. I do get off the rails when we start talking about bone broth, but whatever. Keep going. You know, ADHD is, uh, yeah. I use it as it's a superpower. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so when you, so what you're saying is, yeah, so they, they didn't close down grocery stores because there's no human contact there. I don't know, but they, they closed down all of the, fast food was okay, but they did. They it was the production selected. is where yeah. they started screwing it up, exactly. though, because like, yeah. I've got friends that, because I live out here in butt nowhere and up in Oregon, and I've right. got friends that have pigs and cows and stuff. And to go and get your pigs slaughtered and to go out and be sold, they, they'd shut everything down. So then there was like a two-year wait for your cows and pigs to be slaughtered and to be like uh, – and so like that doesn't work. So what, it, what happened to all those pigs, they all got killed. 
You know what I mean? They were going to get too big. The cat, you oh, know. And, yeah. Wow. And so, so much meat just went to waste. Like I started, yeah. like I, we have a freedom cell here and we have some friends up uh, in Washington that had a freedom cell too. So like during the thing, actually me and Tony, we went and uh, killed a couple pigs on my aunt's farm and we took them up there and we did like a pig slaughtering class and we gave out the meat some fun stuff like that Great. Uh, just because there's there's too much meat man and so wow. they they started screwing this up and that's where like the meat shortages why the prices are so high because they really screwed up this entire thing and it was definitely done on purpose yeah that's what like, i think yeah and you couldn't get freezers either like we were trying to get freezers because we did want to stockpile some meat yeah yeah, I got lucky. Craigslist. I got one that like really? three of me can fit inside. Oh my gosh. That, so, what, like, nice. This opens like a coffin kind of thing? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Nice. You got it from Craigslist. There wasn't a body inside of it. <laughs> no, luckily. <laughs> took the body out. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever see American Psycho? Yes. The old, yeah, yeah. Like, I can't, I hate the spoilers, whatever, but there is a scene where just for commercial reasons, the body is ignored. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like okay, <laughs> that's very cynical. Ah, so don't do that. Never ignore the body. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if when does the social credit and it's already come here, right? In in some ways, but the social credit score here in America is when do you think that's going to come really about? Do you think that's going to come around with digital currency or? Uh, you know, I yeah. don't. Yeah, I mean, that could be a way that it's there, but you're right. It already has come about through businesses that pop up that they have these scores on people, mm-hmm. you, like credit type scores or. or um, I always thought Uber was the front runner for that. That's another mm-hmm. good one. Yeah, because that's people rely <laughs> on it so much. Because you would go and you'd, you'd rate each other. I don't even do it anymore, but you used to. I don't know how much you guys use Uber, but I used it a lot. And you really and, are rating the person individually, basically, when you yeah, do Yeah, you give too. them a yeah. fire and and then they do it to you. Yeah. Well, it depends, too, on the profession you're in. Because it's not going to come all at once. So if you're a nurse, you have certain things you need to do to keep your job. If you're like a roofer, you don't necessarily have to do that. Like, you know, so it just depends on what you do, um, how regulated that field is. I think they're going to try to push it through regulation. Yes, I was just thinking. So all these things my father objected to on principle, like you can really see the problem. So he always objected to scientific research paid for by the government on principle. He's like, that's not what my taxes, that's unconstitutional. You should not do that. My taxes should not be used for that. And then I see they spend that money on, doing things that replace human labor. And then they sell that, uh, they subsidize university research and the universities will sell it to a corporation or whatever. So we're actually, it's private, paid for by us and gets us out of jobs. But also my father would always strongly object to licensing. He never wanted me to get a social security number. He objected to it even when I went to get my first um, bank account. But he just said they have no right to decide whether or not you can do a job. If you want to have a private organization and get their imprimatur, you want to get five stars from the roofing association, that's great. Do that. The government should not have that power. And now we see, and people would argue against both of those things, scientific research and licensing, like, come on, you got to keep standards up. You got to keep things going. And I'm like, yeah, I guess, I don't know. But now you see they can say that roofer, that roofer doesn't have a license because either he's not buying this subcutaneous pharmaceutical product or because he's got some uh 
you know, nationalist viewpoints, which we infer means he's a racist, which means he can't be trusted on somebody's property. Like, you know, whatever, whatever reason they can yeah. get rid of. Yeah. I mean, that's really interesting that we've given them all the power over all of our livelihoods, regulating farms and stuff too. I mean, they, they've been using it for, for, you know, it, it maybe corruption, but it hasn't been where they're going to starve us with these regulations, but they have that power. And we know they're now that we see that they're willing to use it. Your dad sounds awesome. Oh, he was, he was, he's gone now, but he was a world war two vet. Like that's uh, I'm the youngest of nine. I know it's getting that, that storylines getting thin. You can tell I'm old, but when he, he, his funeral, they came after however many years, many, many years. And they folded up a flag and, like knelt to my mom and and I and it really upset me that I was so totally moved by such a manipulative display yeah. of war, you know. But I was yeah. I was like really moved by it. But I always yeah. think because he was 18 when he went, and I always think of the guys who died, like on Normandy and stuff. And I always remember them on Father's Day because they didn't live long enough to have kids. That they're really our fathers. Like I really feel for those guys because they were so courageous and they did believe they were doing the right thing for sure. I, I'm not even going to go back into World War II, but a lot of guys, even after the Iraq War, they signed up. That's why you have so many woke vets. They signed up because they really believed what they were told, and then when they saw it firsthand, they really knew that this kind of behavior was not what they would want in their own land. And yeah. uh, so, so I like to try to separate out the uh, the actions, you know, when you get roped into that. But yeah, he I have I have a book from when he died that was from the 50s and it was a first edition from the 50s. So he was not even back from the war for 10 years. And it was called Backdoor to War about how FDR set up Pearl Harbor, set up people. And I don't know if you guys know those stories, but they absolutely made Pearl Harbor happen on purpose to start. Yeah, for sure. Into that war. And he knew that as early as the fifties. So he was, he got really red pilled early on. How so, um, do you know how prevalent those positions were back in the day? Like, like, was that, like, was that a common book or was it just really super, well, that's super fringe. The book. Oh yeah. Okay. So yeah, I can tell you about that. The book is called backdoor to war and it's still in print. Amazingly. Yeah. And it was it was published by Regenery Press, Regnery Press. There's, it's a it's a well established press of stuff like that. That's a little fringy, which through only like one or two degrees of separation relates back, I think, to the CIA. So like we can talk about this. It really blew my mind. So Regnery Press, I think it's called Regnery Press, and. So in the book, it's all State Department documents. It's entirely documented. And then uh, as as the years went on, he did he did get involved in things like he used to work at the National Review. Like they actually met um, William F. Buckley Jr. My mother, when she met him, she called him wow. father. Hi, father. It's not. Oh, you're not a priest. I just think of you that way. But then they lost faith in him when it was clear that he was a CIA agent. And I think they. <laughs> flirted with the John Birch Society when that guy used to make like fiery speeches about the Constitution. But then that got kind of, you know, I don't know if it was bigoted or what the story was with that, but they kind of fell off with that. But my father would always he started supporting Ron Paul in the 70s as a congressman from Texas. My dad, who had nine kids, would send him 25 bucks every time he was running for office because he was like, he's our only hope, like he's the only one who's good. So he would get um, 
magazines and stuff that would tell true things. Like he, he would never like Lyndon LaRouche, but Lyndon LaRouche kind of did that stuff from the left and he hated Lyndon LaRouche. But if you go back to the old Lyndon LaRouche newsletters, you see a lot of truth, like a real lot. How much and, do you know um, about like your grandparents? Because like your, your dad seemed pretty damn based. Yeah, like, how did was, he, how did I know it was came from my grand, certainly my grandfather. My mother was a Syrian orphan who was raised by Irish nuns in upstate New York. And my grandfather was a was a German. His parents were German, Pennsylvania Dutch, so he was. They were his parents were German immigrants. But all I know is, like, I I discovered Bastiat not too long ago. You know, maybe 10, 15 years ago. I was reading the Law, which is just the tiniest little thing. And I, my father's already dead, so it must have been within the past yeah, fifteen years. So I called my aunt, his sister, and I was like, Ah, oh, Aunt Margaret, you would love this book. And she just said, My dear girl. My father gave each and every one. She was totally grew up. She grew up in the projects and she got this, like she became an English teacher. And then she talked like Catherine Hepburn. So she said, I, my, my father gave each and every one of us that book when we were 12 years old and we were required. to. <laughs> wow. So, so here's the answer. So I think, you know how they say you can inherit trauma. Yeah. I think I inherited libertarianism. Yeah. <laughs> Have funny? you given your kids boss yet? Yeah. Uh, my kid. No, I mean, <laughs> They weren't ready for that when they were 12. Yeah. My daughter's a girl and I hate to like put that label on her, but she is way more interested in thrifting than mm. in libertarian thought. But uh, I, I should give it to my son. I should. He would he would like it. He's definitely on the road to being a free thinker. But it doesn't. Yeah. My husband gets mad because at that age, when you go out and talk about this stuff to peers, if their families aren't politically like minded, they, you get ostracized. And I think, you know, my husband thinks it's a little premature, but I'm like, if I, if I don't tell him the truth, someone's going to fill his mind with a bunch of propaganda. And I just, if, you know, if it's going to, yeah. if I'm going to, if, if he's going to receive something that's propagated, I would like to propagate the truth in his direction. I so definitely I, think, I definitely think things can be passed down genetically because like every man in my family is the most like, what would you call that? What do they call that? Uh, defiant disorder or whatever. Oh yeah, oppositional defiant. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Every yes, single yes. one of us for has sure, always been that way. Yeah, for sure. And like my brother, um, I didn't. We didn't know him growing up. My mom had to give him up for adoption when she was oh, a teenager, yeah. and so we found him years later. And he he is a libertarian. Oh, His kids God. are not vaccinated. Yeah. Whoa, like he's like, way. yeah, I was going to say, did you like see him at a uh, anti-tax protest? Or yeah. Something? Is that what you're yeah right. it's, it's just wild. We're Pretty just like, wow, that's crazy. Wow. So, yeah. Even before I was a libertarian, I think I was an anarchist. Like I always just questioned authority and yeah. like, that's how my son is. And uh, it's great. Like, I mean, he goes a little far with it, <laughs> but you know, it's okay. good. He's turning 15 the, in a week. Okay, no, not the baby. He's he's an anarchist too already. Like he's, <laughs> I can tell. Uh, so that your son is 15. Yeah, he's going to be 15 in April. So I, coming I up there pretty quick. Like most most babies are, are anarchists, I believe. It seems <laughs> yeah. most babies are. I think yeah. that, that we get into like the public school system and everything, and they they try and make that type of attitude and behavior they make it the wrong thing to do so you got to stand in line the, the object is not to think freely and, and, and discover the object is to do what your teacher says to do mm -hmm. they have to break you yeah that's why we have public education that yeah. that's the reason because they can't explain why you can't just teach them how to read and do math like i could do that i could teach somebody to read in 100 hours 
That's for sure. There's like, yeah. that's proven. And that's all you really need at this point with Khan Academy, which of course, Bill Gates bought that bummer. But as you can <laughs> read, you can yeah. learn math on Khan Academy. So can yeah. we talk about anarchism and agorism and the, and the continuum of libertarianism and all yeah. that? Like, tell what's, what's the uh, evolution? What's the right, what's the, what, is it a natural path to be like post libertarian or what's going on? With that's, that's what happened to me. So I was like, I was a libtard, moronic, like half socialist Bernie really? bro for, yeah, for quite a while. I grew up poor and a beaner. So like, you know, we thought we had to be Democrats, you know? Oh so, yeah, for sure. <laughs> and so, uh, and then I, I think I'm pretty sure it was, yeah, it was Dave Smith that, that red pilled me back in like probably 2015, something like that, listening to him. And, uh, I'm part of the problem. And, uh, cause I, I was just a dirt bag and I love the show Legion of Skanks. I don't know if you ever listened to it. It's, it's pretty great. It's just comedy, really? <laughs> comedy podcasts. Yeah, it's great. Um, and so th then I kind of went like the opposite way and I thought it was conservative for a while. And then I went like, definitely found Ron Paul and Rand Paul. It was a big Rand Paul stand. And, uh, then kind of went, uh, conservatarian, then libertarian, then <laughs> ANCAP, then, uh, voluntarist. Like, so, so I kind of like went anti-politics and was just like small and then found agorism and I've right. been an agorist. Flag. Yeah. I've been, a, I've been an agorist ever since basically, but SDK I definitely, like a, did yeah. you read? Mm -hmm, for sure. Yeah. Konkin is the man. And, uh, but this whole post libertarian thing, I think that it's in a lot of ways, man, I, it, like I love Pete, you know, and uh, Pete has red pilled the hell out of me. Every time I listen to him, like I get yeah, a red pill every episode. When we, when Binkley and I did an interview with him, our most recent conversation between that and talking to Tho Bishop, who's very, like was a congressional aide. He's like very political, which I, I did not think that I would, um, you know, be swayed by him. I was interested in what he had to say, but, and then when we talked to PQ, it really like, it was radical. It was yeah. radical. Yeah, I just I don't think that libertarianism, I think libertarianism is a great philosophy. And I think it's something great to live by on a personal scale. But it's like, I don't know if we can extend the nap to people that want to kill us. It's, yeah, it's a I mean, weird it, thing system has gotten very artificial, very complex. I think thinking about human nature in a state of nature is I, I think we I, I when I think of Ted Kaczynski, he wrote, I read his book which was advertised basically on forensic files in February, 2020, when I bought it. So like, right when I started thinking I ought to go live in the woods, you know, right when I was about to start thinking that because of lockdown, that thing got planted in my head and I read it. I mean, they want us to go off the grid. They want, well, I want I, to too. <laughs> it's but, too bad that they, that he had to kill people and he had to no, demonize those ideas because God, that book is fantastic. There's but so much in pointed it. Pointed out that it was about too late because technology was going to make it kind of impossible to ever have a revolution again. Yeah, and that that was I think ten years ago when he said that, and I think that he's right. It has come to pass. He said we only had a few years, and that's why he wanted to get the attention. But yeah, he it was it, it is a shame. But he was an MK Ultra or something yeah. equivalent victim. I mean, there's just you know. Well, I think well, we I, get trapped too. Like, like I think it like it, we're not too late because we're using technology against technology too. So it evolves, but it evolves for us too. 
Like, yeah. Like, like if you how do you back, organize a revolution? Well, we have so many tools right now. I was just watching a thing on recent a couple of days ago about how like people were sending Bitcoin to truckers up in Canada. And I mean, that's even if you want to use Bitcoin, like if you revolutionize Monero, like there are these tools that we have. It's like, it starts with us. So if we're free within our heads, we're going to think of ways around the system. And if we're not free, it doesn't matter what the technology is. Like you put some people in the prison, they're going to stay in the prison. Some people will escape. And that's, I guess, the way I see it. The way they're organizing these color revolutions now and the way that they're they they were organizing the like black lives matter mass call so there'd be a shooting somewhere then instantly there are dozens of people there with cameras starting some sort of protest or whatever you want to call it uh was through facebook and hashtags yeah. on twitter and, do you think that we could start a revolution a real revolution that all four of us would be happy with on facebook I don't know. Do probably I, I, not. Yeah, probably not. We can't. Stacey Abrams could. Now that's what I'm saying. Her. That's, like, what, that's yeah. what, do you, what do you mean by revolution? Do you mean like like how do we how or do we even get, a big campaign that gets national? Yeah, attention, I wanted right? this is yeah. what I wanted to do in July of 2020. I said, let's go to Washington and march against what's happening. These yeah. lockdowns and people said, well, what are you going to march against? And I guess what I should have said is Trump's emergency he declared a state of emergency and that is what the governors were all using to justify their policies. But I, I couldn't articulate that. And what I said was, I don't think Congress should be, should be able to pass any laws while we are not allowed to exercise our first amendment rights of assembly and petition. So we should go down there and make it clear that while we were in lockdown and not allowed to um, access DC, not allowed to protest, not allowed to do anything, they were not allowed to make laws over zoom. That's what I wanted to do. And I tried to reach out to all the people who had organized the Obamacare marches, which was, you know, the Blaze or Freedom Works or whatever, which I went to every one of them. Uh, and uh, the response across the board was we're focusing on the local scene because they didn't want to go down to deal with. They didn't want to um, go to Trump's backyard, which I think was a setup from the beginning that if Hillary was in there, you couldn't have stopped people from going. Yeah. And so what I'm saying is if you wanted to have a popular uprising that could get people to stop, uh, to that could take back some of our constitutional rights or restrain some of the anti-constitutional things that are being passed, I think that it just wouldn't get any loft because it would just be shadow banned on all the social media. I think that they're working on bringing all the, all the crypto in line. I'm not trying to be negative. I'm not yeah, I'm just yeah, saying yeah. that the, the only reason I'm even talking like this is, and this is why Pete Q moved me so much was that the libertarian solution of if you ignore it, it will dry up and shrivel off, you know, like it will go away. Uh, if everyone, you know, I just, I don't think that we're going to be able to fight this coordinated effort where they've privatized free speech into platforms that they control and they say that we can't control. It's libertarians die by the sword, but they don't live by it. We're going to say 100%. Twitter's private, but Twitter's not private. Twitter is a proxy for dictators, you know, for tyranny, for controlled speech. And what PQ and, and those guys are saying, and I've always said this about like, beware of going completely off the grid because they will pass a law when you're not looking that keeps you from having a rain barrel and then you're dead. So have you, have you talked to Andrew from popular, uh, popular Liberty? No. 
you should definitely look into him. He's an awesome guy, really smart. He started uh, the GOP Mises Caucus. So he's trying to do a Mises Caucus within the uh, Republican Party, which I really find fascinating. But like, basically, if I understand the concept, we've had him on, we've talked to him. Uh, it's almost like a Trojan horse. Like they basically are like seen, because he's, he's down in Florida and he's trying to get like, uh, the people that are that love this country, that love freedom, that love you know, that are patriots, that type of folk, and he's trying to um, kind of like infiltrate them and try to corral them and turn them into like a voting block, and then just kind of like slip in more and more libertarian ideas and trying That's to. That's what Bishop, Bishop is trying yeah. to do. Well, but he's the him Mises and were homies. Yeah, I think that they work together. Actually. But isn't that not yeah. the Mises Caucus? Doesn't Tho do it? It's the, the GOP Mises Caucus, so it's not the it's not the LP. No, I know, but oh. I thought that like I thought Tho Bishop was the Mises Institute. Like there was an actual. Yeah, he is. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a different thing. <laughs> it's complicated. Yeah, but yeah, he, he even he was talking about getting in there through the Republican parties. And I understand what they're, what they're doing with that. I do understand all that. That is, a, yeah. that's a similar tactics that, that they all use. I think, I think that's what Vladimir what? Lenin wrote about that, where they co-opt other groups under the guise of, you know, maybe not. Is that maybe, what they're doing? Do you think that they're doing it? Kind of. Yeah. yeah. They're trying to, they are pretending to be like Republicans, but they're trying to like slip in libertarianism, like oh, just extra freedom. Forward? Okay. Well, I mean, kind I think of. The strategy is, is yeah. like designed to not be mm -hmm. straightforward. Yeah, exactly. I don't like yeah. that, but if, yeah, they're not trying to. They're yeah, they're trying to sneak in liberty. I don't mind so, if like, it, that's why I, <laughs> I. I don't mind. What I would prefer, what I would look at is, I thought the way they were doing it is they identify an issue on which Republicans and Libertarians agree, which there are many. Yeah, and they focus on that issue. They don't have to say, you know, that they're. I don't think it has to be deceitful, but I can see what you're saying. Yeah, that, yeah. I, I, I get that. the strategy. I do get it, but that—that's what the communists call a united front. It, yeah. You start with that, and it, but and, then they, and maybe this is where it differs for the communists. That, that that first one was simply a way to get in the door with the ultimate agenda to co-opt and take over the organization and then purge the people who did not agree yeah. with the communists. Yeah. Now that's probably well, not what they're trying to do. Maybe <laughs> right, this I is the whole. That. Maybe this is also the libertarians trying to live with the sword. No, well, I think, it's, uh, yeah. I think I think yeah. it's a really good way to strategize too, and it doesn't have to be done sneaky. I was listening to this podcast like a year back, and it was like this guy who went undercover in Antifa, and he was talking about how different um, liberals and conservatives organize, and they're like, you know, conservatives will join like a freedom group, or like they'll try to like they'll try to like start with the ideals and form the group around it, and liberals are like, you know, I don't want to say even liberals, but like woke people, they would just go into these groups and insert their values. And I'm like, oh, like you already have the structure. And they would just bring up oh, a like a of, virus. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's like, okay, you start off with like, okay, like let's not be racist or something like that, which is like most people be on board with and then just get yeah, crazy. Yeah. That, that <laughs> is a communist thing. Thankfully, well, right? it is. But also <laughs> I think that we can start to use that to bring in liberty and the freedom, like join the bowling group and just start like talking about these ideas. And it doesn't have to be sneaky. Like you can be upfront with it, but because I think a lot of people, like you said, like before you go to school, we're all anarchists, like we're all born anarchists. 
And it's just a matter of like rekindling that idea within people. And I think no matter what you do politically, like I just don't give a shit. Like, I, yeah. I, 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 whatever happens, happens. But I think like whatever our culture is, our politics is going to grow out of that. So, you know. I that's... don't agree with that. Okay. I don't think it's a pull. I think it's a push. Mm. But I, the other stuff I, I like, but it's just I think that they've got. And that's why I, I think we have to be realistic about that. I have to think it through because I hate this stuff. And part of part of why I like liked anarcho-capitalism and agorism is that I hate this stuff. And I wanna I want to believe that if I ignore it, it will go away. Yeah. If I stand by my principles or that politics has no um that has no legitimacy. But we may, I mean, we may be headed towards something so powerful that this is our last chance if it's not too late. And then we, we have to like, that's why I like lawyers. I mean, people make fun of like, everybody hates lawyers. But I'm like, lawyers can fight vaccine mandates. They can get precedents mm. down that it's hard to, because, you know, people don't really pay attention to the courts and stuff, but it's hard to, you have to, you'd have to bribe every last judge and there might be some left who are not. And then, then, then like, court cases take time and if you've got a precedent in place it can stop things you know maybe it was legit what happened with the with the biden's vaccine mandates where the courts were like yeah no yeah yeah hmm i think I that that's a, i think that's a back and forth I, I think the legal process along and that's where they go to the corporations is uh you you feel out the public and, and then you allow if the public is accepting of it Obviously, it's going to depend on who the messaging is coming from. Then they are going to be free to do it regardless of the courts, which is the why the propaganda is so powerful and why it's important that the individual has to, even if you believe in vaccines or whatever, but if you believe in freedom, you should not support stuff like that. And the courts didn't have to do it at that at the level they were at because the Great Reset model isn't the, it's the corporations pushing the stuff through. So by the court's not doing it that gave the corporations the opportunity to step up and be the leaders in this mm -hmm. crisis as they talked about at the world economic forum stuff. I, I do, I do like that the courts did not allow it though. I think that you're right. I think that that is one of our lines of defense. Yeah, no, it really is genius how they got that in there. They have the corporations leading the way. Back to our fascism. evil genius. It's worth yeah. the fascism. It's back to our but that was in that 2010 document, that 2010 yeah. Rockefeller foundation document, which was, built by a guy written, conducted by a guy from the Esalen Institute who was closely related to the Students for Democratic America or whatever it was called in the 60s. A lot of CIA stuff behind that. So they're, so, they're plotting the fascism. And I mean, they're, they're getting it, but <laughs> I think we have to fight back. I think, I mean, that's why I'm going to, Pete, I, I was asking Pete some more questions. He's like, well, We'll discuss it on the air sometime. So yeah. he's not answering my questions. I'll have to get back and get back on that. Um, let's talk about the nationalism versus globalism thing again. You said you had some uh, you had some thoughts on that. Yes. So the one thing that I recall, and I never could figure it out, and now I think it's making sense. I, I feel like the number one thing to read if you want to understand what's going on right now is the report from Iron Mountain. I talk, I've talked about it ad nauseum, like as if it's the only book I ever read, but it isn't. It's just that it's all coming true right now. And one of the one of the things was we need you know a global threat that will get everybody on board to kind of not um, 
to want a global government. <laughs> and then another thing was we need a substitute. The whole thing was about a substitute for war. And one of the things they wanted was where the people you kill aren't the young, healthy people. They're the old people, the sick people, the messed up people. And that they exactly got that. But there was this one piece in it that really baffled me. And it said, we can use the threat of a global police force to get people to uh, renew their commitment to the nation state because mm -hmm. they're losing that commitment as a result of nuclear war. Nuclear war is such an end all be all of uh, conflict resolution that no one thinks it will ever really happen. There will be no more war because the only war could be nuclear war and no one's going to do that. So then people are going to stop being afraid of other countries and they're going to stop uh, wanting to pay taxes. They don't need you to protect them. And maybe if we threaten them with a global police force, instead they will renew their nationalism. And now I see that they, they kind of are trying to do it both ways. So they're getting those nationalists to continue to rally around the nation state at the same time, they're demonizing them and instituting a world government as an answer to the nationalists. So, mm. you know, there's it's like, do I think that the guy who wrote the report from Iron Mountain is here doing that now? No, but I do think that what they did with people like Brzezinski and the books they've written, and that's another reason they write this stuff down. They have to communicate it. They have to communicate it um, in time and place, you know, across the world. And they have to communicate it to the generations that have to carry on. And it looks like a lot of that stuff, the Trilateral Commission's Crisis of Democracy, the Report of Minor Mountain, those things which were written 15, 60 years ago, they have been marching along and they are coming to fruition now, I think, but nobody's, nobody remembers them. And that's what my father used to read. I and mean, that's what my father used to be afraid of. And it just, what it do you just think the, so long. What do you think the global police force is? Is it the United States or is it the UN? No, or like, is it I, guess it, I guess it would be theoretically like the blue helmets of the UN, yeah. which Binkley used to say, like, if this BLM thing keeps going, they're going to call in the UN. And I think their letters letters have been written, right? The George well, Floyd thing. Yeah, the, we had the, the guy from the CNN head of standards and ethics was moderating a CFR panel discussion. This is probably about a month and a half ago. And one of the questions he asked was, were they going to have to bring in NATO to stop basically QAnon in the United <laughs> States? Well, eventually it's going to get drones, right? Like it's going to progress to drones and then eventually it'll be all automated. And once your social credit drops, you'll be droned. Yeah, they will be like the, the <laughs> or just that... locked out of of a place with food. Oh, yeah. You'll stop to death. That's that's another way. Yeah. Yeah. Have, have you seen drones, all of the. Though. Yeah, I mean, have you thoughts. seen all of the uh, the Black Mirror episodes? Like, have I you seen? I so I, I haven't even seen the newest season that had like Miley Cyrus or anything on it. But like the first couple, I there was there was like uh, a chip in a dude's head, and when they, yeah. I yeah. don't remember what Von he Ham. did, but they they turned they turned his thing off so he could never see people's yeah. faces again, and he couldn't hear what people said, and so it was just isolation, even though he was around people. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I saw that one. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, I, I didn't see that one, but I think when I see these kids Zooming all the time and then when they're off Zoom, so I used to restrict my kids' electronics, but then all of a sudden they're doing eight hours of Zoom and afterwards they're like, I can do eight hours of Zoom, but I can't play a video game? Like, come on. So I actually, paradoxically, even though I should have cracked down, I didn't. And then I see that my kids are literally like, you know, 
it's getting a little better now, but for a while there, they were spending all their time on screens with headphones yeah. in. And I thought you're going blind and deaf. Like that's definitely what's happening. You know, I don't know if it's happening to you now, but that is definitely a way to like me at least give you myopia where you can't like see further. You have to really look out on the horizon a lot to give your eyes exercise. But I thought, oh, that plays perfectly into their hands because then absolutely everybody will need augmented sensory equipment implanted into their mm -hmm. ears and eyes. And, and that is a stepping stone to what you're talking about, I think. Into the metaverse. Right, right, <laughs> exactly. I have so many, well, so there's so many people that are demonizing it, which I think is probably the right thing. But I had a friend that was trying to tell me that it was a good thing and they were all excited about the metaverse and it scares the hell out of me. I don't know. It, it actually has some interesting potential. I mean, I wouldn't trust the one that Mark Zuckerberg is running, but um, <laughs> right. just this technology. I mean, imagine like, okay, like if you want to become a public speaker, but you're afraid, you can go into the metaverse, yep. give a speech in front of a bunch of random yeah, yeah. So yeah there is that like there is an application for it but it's like yes. if you just get like i don't think it's just like this thing that you just submerge yourself in without intention they do yeah. have you uh i've used my friends a couple times and they do have stuff on there that i could see that how it could be beneficial but i've never although i don't know many people have ever really used one um those apps you know he's not using a lot it's uh it's the games the the poker and stuff like that that uh gets used a lot and when I did the poker thing, you just go sit at people's tables and it's like you're sitting around. It How feels you like you're sitting around these cool. weird people. Without facial expressions. Well, you I have mean, facial expressions. Get good at it? But, but the facial expressions are like animated. It's weird. Like the, the the, the, they're weird. not connected to what's going on emotionally. You have no that. idea. All I did was ask people to see their vaccination cards. Well, you don't get the tells, right? Like I know <laughs> what you're saying. Like you don't get the tells. Yeah. And right. I mean, then oh, yes. No, great point. Yeah. That's what Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we talked to uh, Sal the Agoras. We had him on a while ago, and he was talking to us because uh, he he likes the idea of the metaverse and NFTs. And one thing that he brought up, which I thought was really cool, he wanted to get – I think he might even be working on this, uh, like getting some libertarians together to buy like a property within the metaverse. Oh, yeah. And then have a – yeah, and have like a free city. And he said he was like, he wanted to have like a coliseum basically where anybody could go in there and watch. And then you could have like somebody that's canceled go and do a speech. And so like anybody could come and watch. Happen. Like, how could they I think that would be so that. cool. It would be. Yeah. I can't see how. I mean, you should read one of the recent Biden's executive orders about the regulating uh, crypto. Like, I think it's mm. coming down. It was well, just. It yeah. It is, but there's also going to be innovation too. Like that's a whole space dedicated to get around government regulation. Like how everyone you, in that space. Tony, how do you stay up to speed on that? Um, I'm really not. I'm very like I like I don't think you can. It's it evolves yeah. so fast, right? Um, but I just try to like um, like the one I saw yesterday was just on Reason Magazine where they were talking about. I think it was I forget what it was called, but it was a way of getting. Bitcoin to truckers anonymously and they would yeah. trade it for gas cut. I guess they had to have someone pass out like a hand address, like a but yeah, I think there's just like like the state is what it is. Like this there's no like denying that we are being oppressed. There is some force that's doing that. But then it's like, what are we gonna do in the meantime? Like like we have agency too. Yeah, that's true. No, you gotta watch out the black pill.
Yeah, mm-hmm. even if they say that we don't, even if they say like agency is now illegal, right? Well, yeah, okay. It goes back to what you were saying earlier, Monica, about well, uh, they appear to be more powerful than they actually are. And yeah, I think the black pill gives them all the. I power. don't know. I'm not. I didn't say that. They <laughs> I said. I, mean, I deduced that from what you are. said. You I'm said saying that they Schwab. demonstrate right. their power. On yeah. 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 And that and that increases their power. Right. Yeah. Hundred percent. And I think I, I think ultimately with with the black pill is we can give them all the power and then they don't necessarily need to to really have it to to have the ability. Yes, to it have increases power. their power for right. sure. I had one more comment about. Uh, yeah, so, let's end it on a lighter note. Oh, I don't know if this is a lighter note, okay. <laughs> but maybe. Let's so you were talking about um, like like report. Uh, What's wrong with me? <laughs> uh, to event two hundred one, right? Things like that where they uh, not the revelation of the method. What were you? What do you call that? Um, um, when they, uh, anyways, they tell us what they're going to do. Planning. Predictive oh, programming. programming. Yeah. yeah. So this sounds woo woo, but what do you, what do you think about like what is what if it's like sort of part of like the secret? You know what I mean? Where they they put these things into reality and they make them happen through like their like through intention. You know, they put these things out there and like because they were really serious about Event 201. They even had like like fake newscasters and they did the whole thing and they played it all out. And um, I mean, I just find that whole concept fascinating. Like Oprah would tell you, if you want a new house, you got to create like a board and you got to focus on it. You got to put your new house and exactly what you want. And maybe that's kind of what Event 201 was. And like all these things that they put out there is like they're doing the secret. I don't know. Manifest reality. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Ahead, you go first, Binkley, and then I'll tell you. No, I was just commenting there on that. That's what I, I can see that that is a technique that people use a visualization that I, I they probably absolutely do stuff like that. And I, I don't know if that, per, you know, brings clarity of mind to them and helps focus their effort and plan. I don't know about anything mystical mm. without making it happen, but I think they probably do use techniques like that. To, well, to backstage, they might have candles and they might have a pentagram going and some babies. Blood Definitely and, some babies yeah. I, the way I think of that stuff is I think that uh, prayer has power. Yeah. And I think that you can call, you know, I don't know about those other techniques, but if, if my experience with prayer has any validity, I don't have a lot of experience with prayer or the power of prayer, but there's power in that stuff. There are synchronicities. There's just, there's power out there. And, uh, and I think, but when it comes to these elites, I think that I'm not, I'm not convinced they harness black magic or, or their own kind of prayer. I don't know, but I do think two things. I think one is they, engage in those rituals for the purpose of either convincing other people that they have the power or because it really has power or that power is they created because they spoke into it. However, with specifically event 201 and those kind of things, I think that stuff is way, way more based in their uh, years, decades of psychological and propaganda research. Yeah. Okay, so more practical and less woo. I think and, they know what yeah. they're doing and they make sure we don't know. And and like an idea of a parallel is when they have inside polls. So if you're a politician and even out here businesses have inside information on health data, on political things that are going to happen, and it's not what's in the news. So you're polling for politicians like, oh, Hillary's got this, Hillary's got that. They're inside polls. They know more than you do. And I think they make sure... In, in this way that we don't have 
the data, the psychological data that would help us understand, it's almost like the new kind of rhetoric. It's like if you understand how to influence people, you know when you're being influenced. They can't give us that psychological data, which actually is and that combined with propaganda is an extension of rhetoric or for, you know, an evolution of rhetoric. But they don't want you to know about it because not only could you use it, but at the very least, you would recognize when it's being used against you. But I think that that is at the heart of those things is the psychology. And if you look at that 2017 document, you see that they're literally, you know, scenarioing out the way the media should approach these problems when people say, like people disagree, Eric Clapton, like Eric Clapton problem is in there. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't yeah. call him Eric Clapton, but the problem is in there and they have really thought it through. They get the best and the brightest to figure it out. And I think that's more of it at that level with specific things than the. Magic. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, I want to give a quick shout out. Sorry to uh, my yeah, buddy, Scott, um, yeah. Scott, he has a new show. He was formerly on Truthzilla. He's now on Rebunked. Oh and, yeah. Uh, we know the Truthzilla yeah. guys. Yeah. Great people. I love those yes. guys. Uh, and. Do you guys have any last minute things you want to say? Oh, I also, what's your favorite cryptid? Sorry. Favorite cryptid that you think might be real? Uh, cryptid? What, what like do you mean? Dragon? What is that? So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like Bigfoot, aliens, oh. uh, unicorns. It could be Dogman. I love Dogman. Well, Cremo believes yeah. in the Yeti. Yeah. I'm going yeah. with the Yeti. The Yeti. Oh, aliens! And I think aliens probably exist in general. I, I don't. I just don't think we'd know if they existed. Just like a, an ant doesn't know that we exist, like a thunderstorm to an ant. Uh, uh, what is Dogman? Dogman. So he has an evolution. We just did an episode with Paz uh, just about this. Uh, he has, I think, an evolution from uh, from werewolves, but he's in like the middle of America. So he's like in like. Some people think he's from like in Louisiana and then up in uh, Wisconsin, right? Isn't that where he was at, Tony? Uh, and he is – people are running into this thing that's like 8 to 10 feet tall and has the head of a dog, glowing eyes, and is like Sounds super like serious. Yeah, scary. But the whole thing is that he's fixed in this state. They don't right. think that it's – yeah, and so that's go. the difference. Yeah. Wow. It'd be funny if it was the other way around, if it was a, a – they were running into – a man with a dog's body and a human head. Be- <laughs> <laughs> Which one would that be might freakier? be more scary? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, do you guys have last minute plugs or anything well, you want to shout just out? Come listen to our show. We have a daily show called the Drive Time News Blast, and we have our overarching podcast, the Propaganda Report, where we also do interviews. But our daily show is. Uh, news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. And you can find us on Twitter. I'm at Monica Perez show and Binkley's I'm, at freedom act radio. Anything else, Binkley? No, that's all the prop Check it out. Thank you guys. I really appreciate it. Thank you.